This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the One Was Had a Dream podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Finch, uh, and tonight I will be once again joined by Danny Baker, uh, and we'll be joined by our special guest, the Crow, Adam Roscoe, will be joining us and discussing his time at Wimbledon. Uh, first off, Danny, how are you? You okay? I'm really good, mate. I'm a little bit, I don't know how I'm feeling at the moment, because I'm basically going back to school tomorrow, and obviously having had a million weeks off, um, as if, for those who don't know, I'm a teacher. So going back tomorrow, having had... Um, little one for the whole summer for the first time. Yeah, it's a bit weird going back tomorrow, getting gearing myself up. But I went to the farm today. I don't know if you're a big farm man. Um, Bockets Farm, and I saw Ollie Palmer. How about that? Oh, Random. Yeah. yeah, literally just going along, and I was like. God, it looks like Ollie Palmer. Sure, so can... I was just interested. Any any random celebrities, Lee? You just wandered around, no, and all I, saw, of a sudden... I saw James Shea in Lakeside. Once, <laughs> and I got I all just, it. I love you the know when you see a Wimbledon, when you see a Wimbledon player. Yeah, you get, you get all excited. I don't know if you do, but I, I get all excited. So I was with the other half, and I saw him with just eaten, and he was in Zara, I think. And I was like, "That's Jane Shea." It's Jane, and she's like, "Who?" I'm like, "Jane Shea, you play woman and goalkeeper." She's like, "So?" I was like, "I might go and say hello." And she's like, "Why would he care if you come and say hello to him?" Like, and I was like, "Do you know what I mean?" You get really excited, but they're not like. I don't know. Not not. It's weird because obviously, having worked at a relatively decent level of cricket, you always bump into cricketers and people who are involved with cricket the whole way through. And they obviously they had that adage where you should never meet your like like your idols. And I remember growing up as being a cricket fan. I remember meeting Dominic Cork. I don't know if you follow cricket or not. I know but he was Cork, a big big cricket fan. And I, I wasn't I wasn't big on him. And I was like, oh no, this is a mm. disaster. But then I liked Ramprakash. I liked Vinny. Met them both. And I was like, oh my god, they're absolute legends. But Ooh. my mate Randall met Adam Sandler in nice. New York and I was like oh my god 
Um, so I wonder if our, our wonderful guest has met anybody random in the well, in the I valleys in Wales. I saw I saw uh, the geezer. You know the geezer who used to walk around with the clocks on him. Oh, you know the rapper. Say that again. The, you know the, the one who walks, used to walk around with the clocks on him. You know the big clock. He had a big clock. He was a rapper. I saw him in. He literally stood right behind me in Vegas, and I asked him what the time was. But, Don't yeah. be stupid. Did the, you really? Yeah, massive <laughs> clock. But yeah, it was a uh, yeah. Well, now yeah. But it's five o'clock somewhere. You're boring us with cricket. Have you seen the uh, Ben Stokes documentary that's out on Prime at the moment? No, I haven't actually. No, really I've been good. um, I've been really on, good. I've been doing daddy stuff, but I'm I'm gonna I'm saved that for the weekend. So once the once the Don's game stop, Port finishes, I'm gonna get on. Hopefully, get on it and watch a bit of cricket. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. Any good? I watched it. I was babysitting today, my boys. So my missus at work. So I was babysitting the kids, and yeah, I stuck it on when they were. I reckon he's your kind of cricketer, Ben Stokes, isn't he? It's very good, very emotional as well. You you were a fantastic keeper, weren't you, when you were younger and batter and all sorts. He's gone through a lot of uh, turmoil after, and I think that's what we forget as sports fans is that these people have normal lives as well. Like he lost his dad, he had mental health, he had that. A hundred percent. And I think we all forget that. We all think they're like these, like what's it called, like superheroes kind of thing. Yeah. Well, this bizarrely is one of the reasons I was really pleased to have added on, as I was really, really keen to talk about what it's like to, to come from almost a different, a whole different world of football, but also to come from, you know, come from Wales, just all of a sudden you plonked in the, into South London, get on with it. It must be a really weird, must yeah. be really weird. So that was why I was really keen to speak to Ad today. It's fantastic we, to have him. So should we get him on? Should we get our first, oh, first guest, our only guest, sorry, tonight, the a special guest, as, as I said, the, the crow. I don't know. I don't know how to make a crow noise. Is that right? No, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. No, no, it's not. Anyway, Adam Roscoe, thanks very much for joining us. How are you today? You right? Yeah. Yeah, good. Thanks. That crow noise was brilliant. Um, (laughs) It's not the first I've heard and probably not the last either. And there's some horrific ones amongst it as well. So it's good to hear. Any famous celebrities that you've bumped into randomly or anyone that you were sort of taken aback walking walking around the street somewhere? Do you know what? I was in holiday in Portugal in the summer and eating in a restaurant, and Alan Shearer was a uh, was a couple of tables. Shut behind up! Us. That's great points. Genuine, yeah. It, it was actually you my, uh... to him. Oh no, 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 no! Nah. Didn't, didn't say a word. Got a bit scared. Plus, he looked like he was enjoying his grub. So I thought, you don't want to be that person that goes and interrupts his meal. That's the thing. That's when do you like like someone like Alan Shearer is like a massive hero, especially like probably a striker like himself. Like, and you think, oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to have got a photo with him or sell a lot or spoke to him. But then it's like, the geezer's eating, do you know what I mean? It's like, when do, when is that line? Lee's the is kind it, of player who just pushes him a tiramisu and just says, like, <laughs> from Lee at the top. <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? I remember when I was younger and um, when the FA Cup used to be played at the Millennium Stadium, um, obviously the teams would stay in and around the hotels near where I live. And uh, one year, me and my old man, I think it was Arsenal-Liverpool, We've gone down to the, it's called the Vale Hotel. We've gone down there. Arsenal are staying there. I'm stood right by the front of the bus, right? Old man's just shoved me through. David Siemens at the front of the bus about to get on. I'm thinking, brilliant, get his autograph. I turn around, can I get your autograph, please? I swear that he goes, no, sorry, I'm waiting to get on the bus. Oh, no. Yeah, see, that really annoys me. Really annoys me. I nearly fell out with Dom, Dom Polian. I don't, you probably, he wasn't here when you were there, I think. Yeah, but- I know, I know, Dom. My son went to ask my son went to ask him for an autograph at the end of the season and he was too busy chatting away and he didn't even look at him. He just signed whatever was he just signed it and he was busy chatting away about the nightclub that he was heading out. And I thought, 
oh, come on, mate, just give him two seconds. He's just wanting, you know what I mean? I know it's hard, but yeah, I was like, oh, I knew you said something. But... I mean, how? what is it like, Ad? I mean, you know, I, I, I know obviously, you know, League One might be different to Alan Shearer in a Portuguese restaurant, but how important do you feel it is to be a role model to younger players? Do, as a professional footballer, do you feel that? Or is it just a case of, do you know what? They're in front of me. I'm just going to sign it because it's a good thing to do. No, I think it's massively important. I think that um, that scenario stuck with me. And don't get me wrong, when I was when I was growing up and got a bit older, I never thought I was going to turn professional at 24. So in that sense, I think I'm really lucky. But it was something that when I turned professional, I thought, you know what? The 20 seconds of your time, 10 seconds of your time signing something, saying, how, hey, how are you? It, it's absolutely nothing. And it might make somebody's day, you know, I think regardless of what level you're playing at, somebody... You know, want a signature? That's all they want. They're not asking for you to go, you know, for a kickabout for an hour or something like that. You're just scribbling on a on a program or whatever it might be. So personally, I think it's it's the least you can do. Um, and I think it comes with the role. It comes with the job. I think you know those boys in the pram when they've got hundreds and hundreds of people asking them. I think that's that's difficult when you see you know big players get stick for. Yeah. Not signing stuff but when they sign one they've got to stand there and sign hundreds which I've, you know it's kind of so I think at that level it's really difficult um, but I think league one league two you're only going to get a handful a day so I think it's important uh, to give time to the fans I agree and at, at the premiership level I think a lot of clubs get told not to do it because there's uh, people just trying to sell the stuff straight onto eBay and profit massively off the fans. So I think, again, I agree with what you're saying with regards to the top level. But yeah, League One, League Two, I think, as I said, it would have made my son's day if he just had a little chat with like one of the footballers. But yeah, I, I, I was quite uh, yeah quite annoyed at the time. But uh, if we, we if we start with regards to your career, you started as a youth team player at Swansea. Uh, is that that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, I was there when I was younger. Um, didn't quite make it through to the you know youth system as such. I was there when I was fifteen. Um, got released like thousands and thousands of lads do you know across the country and all over the world. Um, and after that, just played local football. Then decided, you know what, I just want to go to university. Um, went to university. Luckily, we had a decent side. Uh, played through the Welsh tiers, the Welsh pyramid. Ended up in you know the Welsh Premier League. Uh, and it kind of kicked on from there, really. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, that, that was kind of the, I say the biggest stage, obviously. <laughs> it's not a big stage in Wales as such, but it, that, that would have been the highest level I'd played at, you know, coming, what would I have been, 19, 20 at that point when, when we started playing in that league. And what's it like, Ed? Is it, is it, I mean, obviously it's difficult to compare, obviously, with leagues and stuff, but you've seen, you know, quite a few people emerging from the Irish leagues and coming through and obviously different leagues. What was your take on the quality of your, of, of the football journey that you're on? And did you foresee potentially that there was a route at the end of it? Or was it always a case of, do you know what? I'm just playing the best I can. I'm going to enjoy it. And with my degree, we'll see where we go. I think it's a bit of both, really. I think it's difficult. I think, you know, people in Wales like to think the standards um, really, really good. I think people outside of Wales like to call it a farmers league or the retirement league, <laughs> and I think in in reality it's it's probably in the middle. You know, um, personally, I see the Welsh Prem. You know, the top teams could probably compete in. I'd like to say the conference, but definitely north or south, hundred percent. I think you could take any team out and put it in a north or south conference level, and it would do well. Um, so personally, that's kind of where I would see the crossover. Um, Obviously, the Welsh teams play the Irish teams in 
Champions League qualifiers, Europa League or Europa Conference, mm. whatever it is. Uh, and they tend to be quite close games. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of where people kind of see the Welsh League and where they pitch it at, you know, there are some top quality players in it. Yes, you get ex-professionals that have, you know, retired their full-time boots. But I think over the last four or five years, there's always been a player or two that's emerged out of the league that's gone on, you know, into the Football League or conference and done well. So I think people are quick to slag the league off. But it, it's actually a decent league and it is a decent standard. And, you know, it, it is getting better, you know, year in, year out. I think the biggest problem is there's only one full-time team. If you can make everybody full-time, I think it's a, you know, it gives a different spin on it. But, you know, that's probably very impractical. Yeah, because from, from an outside point of view, I, I, I only know a couple of teams. I didn't know about Cardiff Uni before you signed for us. So it's the big one is TNS, who uh, you're currently signed for, I believe. And the yeah. other team was, is it Barry? Ta- Barry Town were big, weren't they? One where, because we just had John Fashion who come down to the stadium on Saturday, didn't he yeah. try to throw some money at, and that went all a bit tits up, really, didn't it? And then that kind of cost them their their place in the top table. Yeah, but Barry's a difficult one, obviously. I think they played Porto in the Champions League probably before I was born, um, but they still go on about it. Obviously, being <laughs> at Cardiff Met, Barry were our big rivals, <laughs> so I can't be too polite about Barry. Always used to give me a bit of a bit of stick when we played them. Um, but if you look at the history of Barry, then certainly they would be a team, you know, back in the day that would be considered of, you know, being up there. And I think they got relegated last year. But I think they're one of the teams in the league. And I think this it's another issue with with the league is is the fan the fan base. You know, um, they might get between seven hundred and a thousand a game Carnarvon up north they have a really strong following you know at home and away home they probably average 900 to a thousand which is great but then you've got teams that might get 150 um so it's very vast uh, and it's very difficult um and I think that's another reason why people kind of slag the league off you know as such but it's difficult especially you know Cardiff Met even Barry and Pontypridd now that are all in at, at that level, you're in around Cardiff, and you've got people that are going to live in Cardiff or Newport, and they're going to yeah, go that's rough, Cardiff or Newport. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit difficult, you know, in that sense. And even the teams in West Wales, you've got Swansea, so you're kind of hoping for you know Cardiff to have a home game, Newport to have a home game, and see if you can drag in a few of those fans that are still looking for you know to fill their Saturday afternoon and watch a decent standard of football. So you were you were at Cardiff Met and you were you were doing well and you were scoring goals uh, and then obviously you then come and join AFC Wimbledon. How did the move come about? How did you hear about the interest from us? Because there was obviously interest from other clubs as well, I believe at the time. Uh, how did it all come about that you were like going to go from the Welsh League to joining League One AFC Wimbledon? Sure, it was a bit surreal to be honest with you. Um, the year before, I I think that, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was all. It was mental. Like I said, the year before I started the season on fire and then I injured my toe of all bloody places to injure. Um, so I had interest that, that previous season, but obviously the injury came and it didn't quite materialise for whatever reason. Um, so I, remember I played in the uh, Wales Sea and England Sea game up in Salford. Uh, I was on the bench, came on, scored, you know, obviously did all right. And I think that's probably what, what helped me, to be honest. Um just kind of that added bit. Okay, he's done it in the Welsh Prem, but can he do it against young lads from the conference? Uh, which 
you know, I think a team like Wimbledon, especially in my time, you'd see boys, they bring lads in from the conference, you know, boys that are doing well. So I think for me, that was beneficial. And that, again, I think I just got a bit lucky. My agent, I think, messaged Nick Dawes, who was a uh, head of recruitment at the time. Mm. And he replied going, yeah, we're aware of Adam. We like him. And that was kind of it, to be honest with you. Um, I remember one or two conversations being had. And then I remember being being on my mate's um, stag, yellow stag in Cardiff, having a message going, Wally wants to meet you tomorrow. So Bloody I'm, hell. I was like, right, I need to, uh, I need to dip out of Sober this. up quick. <laughs> Take your Mr. Blobby outfit off. And, I need yeah. to get out of flares now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, my mate going back to cricket, he was a keen cricketer. So we were playing cricket in the pissing down rain, having a few beers. And luckily I hadn't really drunk anything at that point. So it was like... Right, I need to get myself home and, and drive down to London the next day. Um, and it wow. literally went, went and met Wally in, in London in Chiswick. And uh, yeah, I think by the time I got home, he, he said he wanted to sign me. It was, it was really weird. And yeah, it was very surreal, to be fair. So how, how does it work, Ad, in terms of you obviously met Wally, signed the deal. For those who don't know, how does it work from moving yourself from Wales over to, I don't know where you were located? Do, I mean, do the club support you with accommodation? Is it a case of you just find out a player who's got a room? How does it kind of work? Because it's totally crazy. You must be literally one minute you're at home on a stag dude. Next minute you're playing League One football. You've got to find somewhere to live, the lads, etc. How do you, how does that transition work? Because that must be quite, in the in a, in a good, hopefully, in a good way, with the right support, it's, it'll be quite fun. But it must be also quite, quite a lot of upheaval. You've got to move everything. You might have a partner. You might have responsibilities, etc. How does but it work? Move into one of the most expensive places in the UK. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Crikey. It, it's difficult. I remember. I think, say, the Wednesday I got off holiday. The Thursday I signed the contract. The Sunday we were in training. Um, so it, it all kind of happened, you know, that quickly uh, on the back end of it, and. Um, yeah, you know, the club give you accommodation for a short while and then it's just a case of, right, go and find yourself accommodation. And it's a pain. I think London's probably brilliant because you can find someone, you can be in it in a couple of days. Um, yeah. but, but the flip side of that, you might find somewhere you like and then the next day it's gone. So you've got to be really quick with it. And yeah, like you say, it was really exciting. But at the same time, it ain't half stressful when you're in training. And obviously I went from part-time to full-time. And I was absolutely knackered. <clears throat> like you're training back in it's pre-season, which is tough anyway. On top of it being your first full time of pre-season, to then I don't know finish at three o'clock, whatever time we finish. So then I have to drive round London when you don't know London, so you can't try and plan, yeah, you know, a- accordingly. It was um, it was tough. It was, it was draining, but obviously, I think the excitement takes over because you're there for a purpose, you're there for a reason, and. Uh, yeah, I think it's more exciting than anything, but it is obviously a pain in the ass. Imagine being told tomorrow, by the way, you've got to move three hours away and you've got to sort a house or, you know, you've got to sort a flat within a week or two's time. It can be quite stressful, but it's all good fun. And, and is it true that uh, we gave you the opportunity, you could have stayed at Met, uh, Met Police, sorry, Met uh, Uni uh, to play in the Europa League, but you then decided, no, I wanted to join Wimbledon straight away and just throw everything at it kind of thing. Yeah, completely true. Wally said, you can go and play in Europe and I'll come and watch you. But, you know, my thing is, if I got injured, that contract wouldn't probably wouldn't have been 
it's all if buts and maybes but don't get me wrong it was our third season of trying to get into Europe we finally accomplished it and then you know to not play in it yeah it's almost like a bit of sweet really don't get me wrong I was then going to follow you know most lads that play football's dream mm. so it 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 didn't phase me in that sense um but yeah, I had the opportunity to go and play in it but I thought you know what I can't I can't let this opportunity pass. It's much bigger than playing a game in Europe. And, you know, hopefully that, that'll obviously happen at some point down the road anyway. And how, how was it? You said about moving from part-time to full-time, it being a massive, massive jump. What was your immediate sort of take of the League One? I mean, obviously, we were a League One squad. We were trying to be competitive, but in quite a difficult league. How, yeah. how could you elaborate maybe what, where the major differences were and, and what, did you feel like as you went to training for the first time, did you feel like, oh, my God, this is wow? Or was it a case of, do you know what, this is good, but, you know, I'm capable at this level to compete? Because we thought you were, you know, we were we were adamant that you were good enough to compete. So just interested to know where, where your mindset was around that. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, really. I think anyone playing at that level, you can drop one player out of a team and plonk them in another, and it's not too difficult as yeah. long as you're, you know, at a certain level. Um I think for me, it was just physically, it, it, the recovery side of it, I found the most difficult in terms of, you know, Monday you're training, Tuesday you're training, obviously Wednesday you're off, you're thinking, yes, I finally get a day off, but your legs are still killing. And then you're back in on a Thursday, your legs still hurt and you're right at it again. And that's the nature of full-time football. You know, physically it is, you know, very demanding and you have to be, you know, really fit. In terms of the, you know, technical side of it, I felt, you know what, I'm actually really comfortable. It's not too bad. But then it's when it comes, the pace of the game's a little bit quicker. And that just takes a little bit of time to get used to it. And then you don't even think about it, really. You just kind of get to grips with it and you get on with it. Um, but for me, yeah, physically, the physical side of the performance was what I struggled with the most initially. What what was it like signing for Wally Downs? Because obviously he, he, he had a really good season where we'd done the great escape. Uh, then he obviously didn't last too much longer in the, the next season with us how well how was it because obviously he's a bit of a character did you did you find him to be a bit of a character did you find him a bit off or did you think did he work well with yourself Do you know I, I got on with him I had, a, I had a pretty decent relationship with him but I think you know when you see like the crazy gang and back in the day I yeah. thought he was I thought originally he was going to be you know constantly cracking jokes etc but I actually found him to be a little bit quiet at times um he'd still be you know joking around a little bit but kind of when you think about people in their past, I thought, all right, it is going to be not not so much fun in games all the time, but I thought it was going to be real laughy and jokey. But um, I think at times he was a little bit quieter than what I kind of thought he, he was going to be like. And then obviously, Bolly gets that and it's Glenn Hodges then who takes over. Uh, did you have a good relationship? Because this is did you feel like you had a fair shake at Wimbledon or did you feel, because didn't you get injured at one point as well, which kind of... Because you were just about getting into the team, and then you you received an injury, which kind of took you out of the game. Yeah, it was diff- it was difficult. I think I mean my debut against Wickham. I think we then played Coventry in the week, and I played in that. And then we played Bristol on the following Saturday, and I, I featured in all three of those games. And I think Wally knew for me it just needed to take me a bit of time to get up to speed, etc. And then obviously I got there, and then yeah, I got injured, and it, it kept me out for. I think about six to eight weeks. And then I was coming back, re-injured the same injury, not as bad, I was out for another month. So I'd say from about 
October, oh, November. To like, luck. That's rough. Yeah, so I'd say the October, November until the January, I, I was basically injured, which, yeah, was tough. And then from that January, obviously, you know, it was difficult because I was trying to come back to fitness. I think Quezzy at the time had got injured and he was coming back to fitness. So, you know, it kind of followed the pattern. He'd play about 60, 70. I'd get 30, 20. was doing well. And then obviously COVID hit. So it was just kind of another barrier that kind of got in the way because I felt like, you know, especially after that January, I was getting back into it. Um, I thought I was doing well. I was kind of creating stuff. That goal was was coming. It was getting closer. And then obviously, you know, COVID season stops and and that was that for that season. So in terms of having a first season, it was cut short with injury and through obviously COVID. So it was difficult. It was obviously enjoyable, but yeah, it was very difficult to kind of get into the rhythm of it, I suppose. It's also hard though with like, I mean, COVID was horrendous for, for everybody, but for you to obviously be so far away from home, being down south thinking right well are we or aren't we and you know you see documentaries about things happening how how was that how was that covid experience from a footballer's perspective was it just a case of just keep calm do what i'm what i do or do you kind of feel like right you know what this is a great time to 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 get running or it's a great time to rest that injury how did you kind of approach that that whole covid cloud because that's such a a weird time in all of our lives but for a footballer who's just moved to a to a league one team and you're just trying to get some rhythm and then all of a sudden this comes up that that would be a, a recipe for disaster for many yeah it was i can't say it was difficult because we were still when the season finished or there was meant to be those couple of weeks off so i went back home with my family i thought there's no point sitting in a flat in london on my own twiddling my thumbs all day so i went back home uh, and then obviously it came to the decision that the season was going to be cut short. So I think we must have had, I don't know, eight to 12 weeks at home. So I just took that as an opportunity to go right, get as fit as I possibly can for pre-season. So I was, you know, running my nuts off. We were still doing uh, gym sessions on Zoom. So we still, you know, were, you know, a couple of times a week. So we were still in and amongst it with the boys, which is obviously, you know, important. And then, yeah, for me, it was just get, get as fit as I can, run as hard as I can. And then I actually had a slight injury in the side of my knee because I was running on roads and I was obviously going full whack and I had a slight niggle in my knee, but that was sorted. Um, it was sorted a couple of weeks before we went back for pre-season. Um, and then, yeah, obviously we were back in pre-season. It was probably the fittest I'd ever been. Uh, and I felt good going back into that season thinking I'm as fit as I can. So there's no excuses there. So now I just need to get my head down football side and, and just work hard and prove that I should be getting minutes in this side, if not, you know, hopefully starting a few games. So in, in the squad, did you see anything, any differences between the Cardiff Met squad and the women's squad that is in character wise? Did you see, cause you, you, you play with Anthony Wordsworth and people like that who are massive characters. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and you, I understand you got along with everyone really well. That's where the crow nickname and you scored and you did the, the bird kind of celebration. Is that all? Yeah. Was the, the team spirit, was that very good within the camp? Yeah. Yeah. Can't fault it at all. I think we had a very good team spirit. You know, everyone was together. Everyone got on, um, which I think is an important thing thing to have. I think you mentioned Cardiff Matt. Even there, we had characters. I think the only slight difference there is that you know, it's a university environment first and foremost. So boys are housemates. 
you go out on nights together, you know, you're constantly with each other. So you basically are playing with your best mate. Whereas I think when you go into that football environment, you do have friends, but you know, there's the saying there's no friends in football because at times you've got to look after number one, which yeah. I think I think is true. But in the same sense, we did have a really good team spirit and you know, everybody did get on really well. Who are your muckers, Ed, in the squad? Who are your, like the your main crew? I mean, obviously you've got a big squad, but who are your sort of main hangouts? Uh, if I probably look to now, I, I probably I say Luke O'Neill. <laughs> yeah, definitely fatty. Um, <laughs> to probably spend a lot of time with Seds as well in the training ground. Seds was a character, uh, quite childish. So me and him would often be doing something stupid. Um, obviously my second season I lived with Shano so obviously me and Shane spent you know, a lot of time together uh, Andy Hartigan still speak to now a fair bit um, then even yeah kind of going back that previously I said you know most people everyone um, Nigel's a great person I think he kind of takes everybody under his wing and, and gets them really involved so he was a great person to be around like you say you've got you had Woody Quezzy Waggy pigs you know they're or pins as well you know, they're all <laughs> big characters and you know they'd be always having like a laugh and a joke and they'd always involve you in you know everything as well so i think the first few i mentioned are probably more the ones i stay in contact with now like day in day out but you know this there's, there's still a few i could happily go and see and have a have a water or two with <laughs> well, and how about the second season Ad, then so we, you've done the first season obviously covid how did that second season go for you did you feel like you did you, you kind of achieved what you wanted to obviously i know you'd love the goal or two but did you feel like you were in a you you did yourself justice and you did enough to potentially stay in, in professional football in england or did you feel like you know what you just didn't the ball didn't quite bounce your way do you know what i, I feel like I did everything I could and uh, I think I proved that, you know, in the, the EFL trophy games I played like scored in, scored in two out of three I played in, I think, you know, and I think for me, then it obviously came to the league and I was getting five minutes here, 10 minutes there and I'm thinking I've, I've proved, yes, I know people talk down on the EFL trophy, but at the end of the day, as a squad that's put out, you've still got a job to do and I did my job, my job to go out, play, score goal, which I did. And uh, I think it then just became frustrating because um, I think the, the September window, Glyn tried to get me out on loan. Um, I was meant to go to Barnet on loan for a couple of months and that never materialised. It got shut down with an hour to go out the window. So I was like, okay, oh, no. I'm here till January. And I felt like I you know, worked my nuts off and it was just, yeah, going to be five minutes here, 10 minutes there, which... Maybe as a defender shoring up the game, that's okay. But as a striker, what are you meant to do in five, ten minutes if you're yeah. one nil down, last few minutes? And don't get me wrong, I don't think we're ever a team that necessarily dominated for large parts of a game. So when you're five, ten minutes to go and you're one nil down, it's all right, well and good throwing a striker on. But if you're not dominating the game, yeah, exactly. Then, yeah. then it becomes difficult. I remember Fleetwood away. We came on and my job was basically hold it up, get in the corner. We were, I think we were 1-0 up. And it was a case of try and see the game out. We were never going to create anything. Mm. So it was a fresh pair of legs, get running, running behind. Can you just keep hold of the ball? Um, so I think 
the opportunities I had, I feel like I did well. And I think the opportunities after that were limited. Um, so I think I was a bit unlucky, didn't get enough game time. And obviously, you know, as everyone does these days, you do read Twitter and people go, he wasn't good enough. That's why he didn't play. And other people went, would say, oh, he was a bit unlucky not to play. And I think for me, it's can your hands down say we saw enough of him to make that judgment is how I feel about it. It's also rough, like you said, Ed. Sorry, one second. Oh, yeah. you're, you're so right, though, in terms of you're a striker. We, we as fans, see Blunt, we as fans are sort of like, what do strikers do? They score goals. But in a Wimbledon team that is not having much of the ball, we're not having much aggression in terms of opportunities to score. You get to run on the pitch when we're 1-0 up and say, hold the ball for 20 minutes. You don't score and everyone calls you an arsehole. And it's like, well, what? Like, you did the exact job that you were told to do. If someone yeah. said, go and do it, you go and do it. And it's such a... It's such a cruel. We talk a lot about you know fans and 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 social media and stuff being such a negative place, but it's, it must be so difficult when you're literally whether you read it or not or, or however it works. But to literally go, I've done the job that my manager told me to do in this circumstance. I'm either told to go on because we're not playing very well. I need a goal, which means it's going to be difficult to get the ball, or we're winning. Defend it at all costs. It's almost like you, unless you, it's very must be. You must have had very few opportunities to actually go and play your natural game. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, I agree, especially in that second season. I think the first season, you know, slightly different. Um, you know, I think especially, like I said, that just before COVID, that period then, I was creating chances, you know, a couple past the post. I remember Jill's managing, almost scoring, you know, managing to toe poke it, the Cali's poked it in. And I think, yeah, especially that second season, it was just, like you say, don't get me wrong, we had decent strikers as well. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm realistic. We had, we had Pigs. Pigs was proven at that level massively, scored many goals. So was I going to start ahead of Pigs? No, I wasn't being realistic. But then it's, you know, if I was getting 20 minutes, half hour, and I'd get one shot a game when I was always booting it in the corner flag, I can see why people would be going, oh my God, he's not good enough. Why have we got him? When it's five minutes here, 10 minutes there, if even, it's like, well, have you really seen enough to turn around and be like, you're actually crap? Um, do, do you... So do I you think, th- oh, sorry, Adam. Go keep going. So actually, fans are obviously entitled to their opinion, especially somewhere uh, a club like Wimbledon, which is very special. And it is a you know, fan-owned club. You know, everyone's in, entitled to their opinion. Uh, I think as players, you have to just kind of... You have to deal with it. You can have the best game of your life and there'll always be one person that's lagged you off. I think that that's that's going to happen at every level of football. So it's how you deal with it. And, you know, there's no point sitting around and being sorry for yourself. Um, So you kind of just have to get on with it and just know yourself. I knew that I worked hard at training ground every day. I knew I was fit enough. I knew in training I was training well. So outside of that, it's kind of outside, out, out of my hands as such. Yeah. Do you, do you think it would have been different if you'd got that loan to say Barnet in the conference? You'd have got that because of your injuries as well. And, and as you said, you had Piggott ahead of you. If you'd gone out on loan at Barnet and shown to everyone, look, I'm playing 90 minutes. My game is to get behind and score goals because that's your game. You know, pace, you, you go on goal and you'll score. Where at yeah. London, you weren't getting that. Do you think that would have been a different different opportunity for you if you'd gone on loan for a couple of months, scored goals and shown everyone what you could have done? Potentially. I think, um, you know, as everyone would say, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, as things happened, I left, Glynn and uh, Dorsey got the sack straight away. So I could have, um, sorry, 
obviously my mother's deciding to bring me go away sorry, <laughs> sorry um obviously glenn and uh, dorsey got the sack and then robo took over so it's one of those where i could have stayed poor and i could have had a good end to the season i might have got more game time but you know i think it's all hindsight sorry going back to your question i don't know right. could have been could have been the making of me and it could have ended up being similar scenario um so i think it's just I think at times in football, well, not even football, in life in general, you know, the grass isn't always greener. You don't know what's going to happen until you're kind of in that situation. And I think with football, things happen so quickly. Um, and ultimately, you know, it, it is a business. And if you don't kind of fit the mould, you'll get moved on. And did you, so you finished the season and I presume, I don't know how, how it works. You always hear these different people getting called in, but I presume you're, you're told that your, your contract's not going to be renewed. Did you, did you have much interest in England or did you think, do you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, and, and playing in Wales or did you, hopefully, did you finish your degree? Yeah, I finished that literally just uh, the summer before I signed. So that was all done and dusted. Oh, awesome. Um, so it was, it was the January I left, um, Glenn called me into the office and said, look, TNS have put a bid in for you and we've accepted it. And then it was kind of up to me um, as to make that decision. Um, again, looking back, we hadn't won for a good while. So I kind of thought that Glenn and Dorsey were potentially going to you know, be let go. So it was yeah. one of those where I could have stayed put and then had you know, the end of the season with Robbo. But again, nothing, no, nothing was guaranteed. I'd spent you know, months being in the squad, out the squad, five minutes, 10 minutes. So I think for me, you know, going to TNS, they you know, offered me three and a half year deal. So it's, it's a difficult one to turn. It's yeah. almost like a lifetime in football. Um, yes, I'd have loved to continue playing League One, etc. But again, even that wasn't a guarantee that I was going to play football or come the end of that season, I was going to, get a team at that level again because I wasn't proven at that level before I signed at Wimbledon. I'm still not proven at that level. Yes, I've played a few games. So, I've, you know, I've played at that level. But I think with strikers, people are looking for who's going to get them goals at a, at a certain level. So I think, yeah. you know, even the end of that season, you know, being realistic, I think the chance I wouldn't have got another League One club, potentially League Two or, you know, maybe a, a conference team. But again, you know, who knows? It's also tough, isn't it? You're sitting in the office and the manager's basically telling you someone has put, given us money for you and we're accepting it. They're basically telling you in in the nicest way possible, you know, we're happy for you to move on. It must, yeah. it must be incredibly difficult for you as a player to go, yeah, no, no, I'm going to stick it out. When they're basically telling you, look, it's like a girlfriend basically saying, I don't want you. And you just go, no, I'm hanging around anyway. I'll, I'll watch you go around with some other blokes. It must be, it must be yeah. weird. It's just that ultimately that the people who are responsible for picking the team have basically said, we think that you need to go, which is telling you that more or less you're probably not going to get much game time. I don't think, you, I think it must, that must be a really, I mean, how is that? It must be really difficult to, do you have to just accept it? Do you take it personally? I mean, it, I know for a fact, I mean, I got made redundant once at work and it was, it, it hit me for about a million and I took it so, I was so upset because I was like, why me? I do this and I've done that. But from a footballer, you, you have to be able to accept it so frequently. How do you do that? I think it's difficult. I think, you know, people talk about mental health these days and I think being a footballer, you've got to be, you know, quite mentally strong, especially around those, 
situation scenarios because it can be dropped on you at the drop of a hat you know you could be organizing something next week you, you and the missus are oh let's go for a you know a nice meal here but then actually you've now got a change of plan the removal vans in and you're buggering off somewhere else um it is it is tough it's just I don't know, it, is, it was one of those i think i've been out of squads for weeks I've been working my ass off in training. Robbo had been like, "Ad, you've done really well today," and I'd be like, "Do you know what? It's actually not making a difference, you know, uh. because I knew I was training really well. I was potentially dominating some of the defenders at times. I was scoring goals in training, and you know, people, you know, some managers will turn around and go, "Yeah, if you do really well in training, you'll get a chance." But I felt like it just wasn't happening like that. So I yeah. think I could have dug my heels in and gone, "Do you know what? I'm actually not leaving." But would that have benefited me? Probably not. It's, it's difficult when you've got a three and a half year deal on the on the table. Going and back I don't home know as well. I'm guessing you yeah, back, back home. Back home with your friends and family. Did did you find it hard being in not playing? Being did you bring your, your family with you? Did you, or was it as you said you were twiggling your thumbs in like a flat on your own? Was that hard as well? Where you you move on your own? It literally is you, and as you said, you've got your teammates around you, but again, football is can be a lonely place. So I don't think fans realise sometimes how lonely it can be. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was lucky. Uh, my family are very supportive. They used to come to almost every single home game, even when I wasn't playing. Um, by pure coincidence, a few of my mates came up the day I made my debut, and I said to them, look, I've not been playing. And they're like, it's fine. We want to come up anyway. So, you know, by coincidence, I had uh, my dad, my sister, and some of my mates there at the game, so that was, that was nice. But no, yeah, to, to be honest with you, I, I felt I was at one of my loneliest points I've ever been at at, at times. Yeah, um, and, you know, people turn around and go, oh, you live the dream or your life's brilliant. But when you're sat in a flat, at, I don't know, could have some days could be one o'clock, some days could be three o'clock. And you're like, right, what can I do? Bearing in mind, you live in probably one of the most expensive cities in the world. <laughs> yes. You know, it's not like you could go out and about and, you know, and do too much. I had friends in London, so that was great. I'd go and see them at times. But again, that's limited based on you know, your friends have got normal jobs. So on a Thursday, they're out drinking. Friday, they're out drinking. Saturday, they're out drinking. And then, you know, I can't just go and join them. So, you know, it was trying to, you know, see friends as well to kind of, you know, keep you busy then, you know. Luckily, I moved in with Shane second season and then met my who is now my fiance? So obviously that kind of changed. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! So, thank you. I don't know if it is actually congratulations, but yeah, well done for finding someone. <laughs> nah, she's uh, she's a good one to be fair. Because I, I know you've been back down to the ground, haven't you? You've been because uh, I speak to Andrew Harding quite a lot. I know you you yeah. you know Andrew Harding quite well as well, don't you? Uh, and we say a lot of people fans say once a don, always a don, and you probably get a better reception now as you're not playing for Wimbledon than you did when you were playing for Wimbledon, which is very, it blows my mind sometimes that players come back, get treated like really well, but when they were with us, they didn't get treated as well as they maybe should have done. Yeah, do you know what? I only felt love from the fans, to be fair. You get the odd one or two that'll put something on Twitter, but it's like whatever. But even when I was there, I only had, from my opinion, I really had positive things that were said about me when I spoke to fans. And it was a thing, I wanted to come back for a long time, but I just didn't... um, I just never had the chance to until it was the last game of the season against Aki. And uh, yeah, luckily Andrew Ardin wasn't going and gave me his ticket. Um, and yeah, I had a great reception. It was, 
No, it was brilliant. I spoke to a lot of the fans. Obviously, it was the last game of the season, so the boys were down. Got to see some of the some of the boys and the staff, which was nice. And you know, I just went and mingled with some of the fans. And I think it's it's important to do. Like, I love my time at the club. Uh, still love the club. Went back to watch Oxford pre-season game. Spoke to one or two then. And uh, any opportunity I can get to come back, I you know definitely you know would still do that anyway. I've got I've got to ask about the World Cup. Excited? Wales, was it first time since God knows when? It must be a real buzz in the yeah. country for them to get to the World Cup. I was watching the Ukraine game thinking, you sods, these boys have got a war and you've nicked the 1-0. But at the same time, we were delighted. It's Wales, you know, you're well, our great neighbours. How, you, how are you feeling about the World Cup? you looking forward to it? Are you Are you going to be able to watch it? What's the plan? Yeah, buzzing for it, to be fair. I think it's every... I think since we started doing well in the Euros, uh, the World Cup became achievable and realistic whereas I think yeah. you know I think the first year as we qualified for people were like oh you were lucky and then we've actually done really well so I think it's definitely something where Wales deserve to be uh, especially at this moment in time I, I think internationally we've come on so much in the last few years and you know if we can nick a win against England that would be uh, that'd be unbelievable but I think the biggest thing for us is can we just get through that group yeah, maybe I'm a bit, maybe I'm a bit pessimistic, but if we can get round, you know, into the knockout rounds, I think that would be a job well done. And then it's kind of again similar to the Euros, just see how it goes. Um, I think people now are probably not underestimating Wales, especially when, he, in my opinion, again probably biased. Got one of the best players in the world, I think. Oh, Gaffo, yeah. Um, Chris Gunter, yeah. The only player yeah. they've got really. Even <laughs> Gunter, yeah. Yeah, in Guns, obviously Aaron Ramsey. So we got we got some fantastic players in a really good squad now, which I think, you know, if you can keep Bale and Ramsey fit and flying, there's no reason why we can't give it a good go. And one thing with the Welsh, we'll enjoy every second of it anyway. Well, that's well, like you said, you, you get through the group, don't you? You get through the group and you just see what happens. And all it takes, you, you nick a, nick one on, off a bum or you you well, get a dodgy penalty, and all of a sudden you get through, and you, that's it. That's how we scored against them last just, time, wasn't it? When we bit one and all of a sudden you just exactly. you get a bit of momentum. How how Robson Khan with that that goal was it against the Dutch or something like that? It was absolutely wicked goal. Belgium, it was like, okay, yeah. Belgium, that's it. In the quarter, it was like <laughs> okay, we're game on here. Absolutely wicked. Well, that's that, I was just about to say. That's the one good thing about football at the moment is a lot of players who want to go to the World Cup are joining teams to get fit. Like Ramsey's gone down to Nice. Bow, what he's down out in LA, and they're literally yeah. they're playing yeah. now, and they're. Get trying to get fit for the World Cup, so it can only be a good thing for the World Cup and and, and people watching it. And obviously, England going to win it, so yeah, it's, it's quite an easy tournament for us this year, I think. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a typical English, isn't it? You always think you're going to win it, and then it's, it's yeah, you know that. when you get uh, when you get disappointment. City, we are. So, what's the plan exactly. for the what? What's that? Where's your football at now, then, mate? Where are you are you have you still got aspirations to kick on? Are you happy where you are? What what what's the What's your take for your for the rest of your career? Yes, yeah, still at TNS at the moment. Um, it's one of those I came back into pre-season a bit later on because he had a change in manager. Uh, shock. Who's uh, who's so, manager now? Uh, Craig Harrison's the manager there now. Uh, he was at Hartlepool a few years ago. Uh, okay. We did have a, we did have a guy called Anthony Limerick. He was uh, um, Woking. Uh, I think he got Woking relegated. He was Grimsby assistant as well for a little bit. Um, okay. Let's just big, say he didn't fan, take yeah? a liking. He didn't take nah. it to me, put it that way. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I came in a little bit later, so thankfully he left. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's just 
can I enjoy it? Can I kick on? Can I score goals? And then you never know what might happen. Um, football's a funny thing. Things can happen in a day, overnight. Um, so who knows? But for me, it's just try and play best of my ability. You know, can I try? And it sounds really cliche, but score some goals. And then you never know what you know might happen. I was lucky enough to get that move to Wimbledon. Not saying something like that will happen again, but you never know. There might be a team somewhere, even if it's conference, north or south. And, you know, something like that might be really suited to me. So you have to wait and see, really. Are you full-time, Ad? Or what, 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 what else are you up to? No, we're full-time. Uh, we're the only full-time oh, awesome. team in the league. Uh, again, that's why it was a beneficial move, because it was still full-time yeah. football. Um, so, yeah, st- still playing every day, which is, you know, everybody's dream, you know. So I do, I do count myself as being quite lucky. Fantastic. Well, well, that's pretty much everything from us, really, Adam. And uh, I, I think Daniel Echo and my thoughts. Thanks very much for for joining us. Really appreciate you coming on and speaking to us about your time with Wimbledon. And all we can do is wish you the best in the future. And, and, and again, I, Wales come out of the group, obviously below England. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, we, we we really do appreciate you coming on and speaking to us. No, no worries. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. No problem. And make sure you go and ring your mum. <laughs> yeah, she'll be, she'll be worried. Sick about she'll be you. worried. Yeah, uh, she's pestered me all day. She can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck, mate. Take care, Adam. Cheers, thank you guys. very much. Thank you both. Thank you. Take care, man. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. As he, I think he's right. Some people did say he weren't good enough, but you don't know what's going on in the background with regards to what he's being told to play, how he's being told to play. Do you know what I mean? He has Pig in front of him, who's our goal I mean, scorer. the likelihood is, let's be honest, it, the likelihood is, is he probably was a little bit below where we would have won. But he's right in terms of how, how can you possibly judge the player when ultimately, let's be honest, I've look, I'm, all I've done is a striker. I've just gone into Wikipedia and I've seen 17 games, no goals in league matches. But when you think about it, he's probably been on the bench for 15 of them, if not 17 of them, running to the corner, chase up. We're a bottom five team anyway. She's so going to get no service. It, and with the COVID stuff as well, that must have been well rough. Mad, mad as well, because literally we lose Pig, we lose Palmer. We have no strikers yeah. last season. We get relegated. You don't know if he could have done a job or you don't know if he could have done a job. In of course. Too. I'm looking at our strikers now. I'm probably thinking we've probably got better strikers now. But yeah, people, this is again why we're doing these kind of interviews is people got to understand that what goes on behind everything regardless of football. Do you know what I mean? So fans think, oh, right, we've got this striker. He's probably earning, what, three grand a week. That's going to be lovely. He can move into a nice house in South Wimbledon or Wimbledon. Do you know what I mean? He's going to be living the dream not realising that his family all three hours away, four hours away. Do you know what I mean? You're not playing games. COVID hits. It's probably a really bad time. And as I'm saying, like Ben Stokes, like there's few biggest like world stars in, in sports that are struggling mentally that have millions of pounds, let alone a League One striker who's moving his whole life just to chase a dream of being a footballer. Didn't work out on this occasion, but he's doing it do. to know And doing it knowing that he's not... He's, there's a really decent possibility that he's not going to be good enough and he's, at, he's got to back himself, but he don't know. And ultimately, he's going to go, he's jumped up a number, he's already out off his own back. He said he's league, he went to league one. He said 
team, the league itself was probably Conference North, Conference South. He's already four or five leagues, a good three leagues above. He couldn't have been on a decent whack. He must have been on a grand a week, maybe. So he's not exactly picking up loads. I, I, I mean, obviously, you get the rumor mill going around. I heard it was a bit more, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, as he said, he's not going to be a big earner for us, though, was he? He was always going to be a, been one of the biggest Jewish. earners. Do you know what I mean? But again, we we forget as well that we play in Wimbledon and you want to you want to move into one of them flats next to the ground. You're looking at what seven hundred fifty grand starting. Yeah, Jesus. Do you know what I mean? You're looking at like fourteen hundred pound a month for just a one bedroom flat. Do you know what I mean? It's not cheap to live in Wimbledon, and we wonder why we can't get players. We've got Harry Pell down there, but then you got to remember that Harry Pell family live in Essex. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Probably it's moved not... back home, and he's got a support network around him. He's gone and done what he had to do. Now he's back. With his family. It just shows you there are lots of players who are regionalised. There's very few who go nationwide. And that's and the ones why that you do, look at some of the teams that do well, yeah. because they've got that pool. Like you look at the teams in Manchester-based areas, they always do. Well. There's a couple Rochdale, who struggle, Portland, but they've got Rochdale, you know I mean? Yorkshire, got Man City, Man U releasing players left, right, and centre. I know we got Chelsea, but then we're struggling. We've got Charlton and all them teams to compete against. It's it's yeah. a tough one, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy he's coming on and. This is our kind of month of specials. We've got uh, a big player coming on next week as well. We've got uh, the Wizard will be joining us next week. Oh, fucking love Ursel. And we'll be talking to Rob Ursel about his time, his trials that he went on, because I'm sure he went on trial with a certain club that we don't mention. Oh, I don't know. I ain't got a clue. I just remember him scoring, I think it was a hat-trick in an FA Cup game. A the one where he volleyed on. it. I think he might have been, but there's a streaker ran on the pitch and wiped out the linesman, I think it was. Like a tackle. I can't remember what it was. I'll find out where it was in the game. Uh, right, do we, do we need to do it? like a little end bit here? Do you want us to do a little bit? Do you want to talk about Stockport now? quickly? We can do. It's entirely up to you. Just whether or not you want to do something to kind of just finish the episode off. Yeah, we'll we, talk about it. we haven't done like a roundup at all. No, we're talking about Stockport. We've got, uh, yeah, Stockport Saturday. I'm hopefully going to be going. I'm not 100% sure yet that I can. I've got my train ticket booked, but yeah, I might have to work. But yeah, it's gonna be a tough game, I think. Really tough. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's gonna be. I just I find it interesting in terms of the way that we're kind of playing. I've, as I said before, I'm I'm a bit concerned about having players at the back, having passing centre backs, and I think it's a really interesting culture shift in football where we had we were the four four two era, and the older guys who are thirty plus have all played in back fours where they're not necessarily passers, they're defenders. Um, and then to all of, a sudden, all of a sudden ask them to start making passes and pick passing. Yes. Um, it's, it's a, it is a real concern because Nightingale's not a, a ball-playing centre-back and neither's Callum Bailly and neither's Pierce. No, so, Lee, Lee, to be honest with you, Lee Brown's been the most, for me, since since he's come in, he's been the most disappointing signing for me. Well, I just I, I haven't seen enough of him. We were saying the other day, it's really weird with managers, right? That they have this one kind of formation, this one system. Robbo had the same. Yeah. Uh, and they'll, they'll stick to it. But they bring players in that don't suit the system and think, right, I'm going to put the... Do you know what I mean? Because not being with Pierce, Brown, Nightingale, do not... They, they suit with three at the back, but they don't suit the system as in passing it out from the back. Mm-hmm. Now, without Pierce done that at Millwall, Lee Brown might have done it a little bit at Portsmouth, but I don't no, remember. He was just a left back. Yeah, he got forward and they put the ball over to him and he scored a couple of goals against us, so I remember. But Nightingale's never been a real ball player, nor, as you no. said, Callum Bay. So it's really weird that we're, we're, we've got a system and we've not signed players to suit the system, which we do pretty regularly. Uh, I was saying the other day, home games, I know we're talking about stop, but home games, I'd like us to go 4-1-3-2. 
Go a bit more attacking at home. We don't need two defensive midfielders. And then away games, yes, you play your three five one two or three four one two, whatever it is. But I mean, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind the formation. I just for me, if you're at home to win a game, you've got to play a sale. I think, in teams... my opinion, I think you've got. I think you've got to play a sale. And away from home, if you want Chislett, who is a bit more industrious, then that's fair enough. But I'm expecting we've got what one day left in the window. I am expecting a, a, a decent attacking forward to come into the club. The problem you got though is I think a sale's going to be off before Stockport. Do you think? I think yeah, I've got I've got a big feeling that he'll be gone. Hopefully oh, he'll sign geez. for a championship or premiership club and we'll get him back on loan for the rest of the season. But I've got a really weird feeling, and this is just me feeling I've not heard it's anything. Gone. It's just me and, and just talking to mates and staff about us out. And I think he could be off to say a Peterborough, something like that, I reckon. Because I know they just signed someone, but they were looking and there's talk of them maybe. Is league one, aren't they? Yeah. I, I thought I thought I just thought somebody like a QPR because the reason why I thought QPR might work is they've got that El- Elias chair, mm. and I think he's I think he's looking at going. I thought he would suit quite nicely a Preston or somebody mid table ish again, similar to very similar to Radonia Coventry. I think he'd do quite. I think he would fit there because Asante. I was watching Sky and it was it was Asal and As, um, Brandon Asante was a guy at Salford, and I think he's just gone. Brentford. Uh, he's gone to Peterborough, hasn't he? Is he the one who's gone to Peterborough? I'm sure he's okay. the one who's gone to Peterborough. He's either gone Peterborough or I thought, he went, I thought he might have got a championship gig. But he's... It, it would be... I've Again, I don't have a huge problem with selling us out on the fact of we are now in a... This is where we're going to reap what we've sowed. We're going to reap those players. But we've got to get a good fee and we've got to replace them. Yeah, definitely. Whether we will, I don't know. I'd like to see another striker coming in because I still don't think we're going to see Huddling back. And if he is back, where it, like I'm not sure where he is at the moment because we've not had any updates. I thought he's going to be back this week, but he's still apparently up in Huddersfield. Uh, so I'd like to see another strike come in. Also, like I said, uh, we need a win back, and it looks like that uh, Xavier Simmons is off the hole. Oh yeah, I read that today. That one. Uh, well, be I think it'll be a quite a busy day tomorrow. Then I think it'll be interesting. To, I can't imagine many others going out. Um, it'll just be whether or not a sale. I mean, I presume he's got another year after this one, maybe. He did sign a big, big contract. So if he does go, I'm expecting not far off the Radoni money, really. But I presume if he goes, we've got to replace him. Football's a strange old game because last week I was saying about, I think something special is happening. Then we lose to Barrow. And then, as you said, we lose into teams like Barrow around us. We need, you know what I mean? If we've got aspirations of getting promoted, then I do think after the wind is gone... I can then judge. I always thought we'd be mid-table. I've never thought. I mean, I've, I said at the beginning when we did our predictions, I said 14th, and I'm not. I just don't. And I don't think there's a crime in that. I think obviously we as fans are desperate to kind of get get that. You know, well, let's go back up. I just I, I can't see it. With what we've got, we've got we've got too many people who are either not suited to the way that we're playing, not long-term players. But I do feel like. As a squad, you know, the signing of Pell, I think, is good. I think Pierce is good. I think um, we, Magoma's on loan. I think that Magoma and uh, having Davison as a permanent is good. I feel mm. like we're getting a few players. We're starting to get a few more permanents. And, the, and the, there's no doubt the recruitment's better this year than last. Oh, um, yeah. which, which is a step forward. It is just a, I guess it's just a case that for me, if we can get on a run, but we're just, again, we're just too, well, for me, it's home form. If our home form is better, we're going to be in a good position, but our home form has been crap and it remains. I know we won, we won yesterday in the Waste of Time Cup, but I guess that's 10 grand in the bank and you just get on with it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just think at the moment, I I, just, I think our squad is a little bit thin. 
And as I said, I'll, I'll judge everything after the window closes, uh, which will be 11 o'clock when this goes out on Thursday. So, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll judge it then because I still think we're short of a couple of players, but I still think we are going to do business. I think uh, Johnny Jackson's keeping his cards close to his chest. We've still got a couple of loans that we could use, and I think it might go to the wire. I'd be very disappointed if we didn't bring in at least one two players I'd be really really disappointed I mean, if we did four Stockport on Saturday and again I, th- I think all, it's not just that I also think there's players who, who need to go I think Bendel needs to go and have a, have, have three months this, I thought he struggled against uh, Villa I thought he, yeah. he, he struggled against his own age group as well I thought he had a, a poor game to be fair and we're big fans of Alfie but yeah I, do, I think he needs to go off and do a season like uh, Jack Curry did and get men's football well I think I think, I think he will Quinn and Bartley yeah. needs to do that as well uh, yep Zach Robinson Cosgrave's loans are going very well. I had some South End fans in my taxi the other day and they're big fans of him. He works hard apparently and does all the right things for them. So he'll be starting games for them. Uh, and Robinson looks, he scored and assisted. So he's doing well up in Dundee as well, which you, you fancy them to do it because they've dropped down a level, especially Zach Robinson. But again, what we were saying to Adam Roscoe there is that this loan might help him now. He'll come back stronger, hopefully. Do you know what I mean? And he'll want to be breaking into that team. We'll lose New York City and then he can then kind of break in. But yeah, we need we need to do two more, I think, before the winner closes and before Stockholm. Let's hope so. Let's hope prediction, then, Dan. prediction, Wimbledon Stockholm. I think we are going to draw. I'm going to have a 2-2. I think it's going to be another one of those sort of um, glass half full or glass half empty. We'll, we'll play well, but we won't win. And I think I'll take that at the moment rather than not playing to well and, and nicking a nicking a draw. I think I think we'll do all right. They're sort of nearer the bottom than at the top, but they've got they've obviously spent a few bob. So I think it for me, it, yeah, I, I'm fully expecting to be quite an inconsistent season. But I'm I I won't be too perturbed if the result on Saturday doesn't go away. But we've got to address our home form. No, I agree. I think it'd be a draw, one all. I think yeah, I think we'll we'll go one down there and we'll we will nick one at the end. But yeah, I, I I think a draw as well. And I think Stockport there's not started great. I think their fans that their home form needs to turn around as well to get their fans back on. And yeah, our away form I don't think it's great, is it? We drew with Hartlepool, lost to Matt, got spanked by Mansfield. We beat Crawley, beat Crawley, which, which is exactly the same as home. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly the same. Time. Draw team, one, so. win one. That's it. We're inconsistent. A bit yeah. like your beard. Thanks for well, thanks very much. Well, we're back Sunday with the Sunday debrief. We'll be talking everything that happened against Stockport. Uh, if you want to get involved, come and join us on that. Me and Danny are back next week with the podcast on Thursday, and we are speaking to the wizard, Rob Ursel. Dan, have a good weekend, mate. I will. Back to school tomorrow. Good luck to everybody who's uh, dropping their kids off and enjoying the freedom. I'll look wait. after your kids, don't worry. Can't wait to drop them off. Come on, you done. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Get involved. By the fans, for the fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123.
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.